What would make you feel the best if you finished it? Creating equity and opportunity for women. If I can affect that for real because of something I was a part of, man, I can be done. If I can look and turn on my television or open my news channel or listen to my Alexa to tell me that this team has been purchased for this millions of dollars plant for women's football team and this player has signed their multi-million dollar contract or NIL deal, I could be done. I'm, that's it. You want to know what to focus on? What will make you most proud, most you, not anybody else, you, most proud, most fulfilled to be done. And if you aren't working to finish it, go focus on that. What's up, y'all? I'm Odessa OJ Jenkins, and you're listening to Dreams and Drive. Dreams Drivers, welcome to episode 377 of the Dreams and Drive podcast. And today, our guest is Odessa OJ Jenkins. And Odessa is a successful tech business executive. She's also the CEO of Bonfire Women and the founder of the Women's National Football Conference. She is a disruptor in sports and has really built one of the premier sports leagues in the country that's creating opportunities, inclusion, and equity in football for women and girls. And I'm super pumped for you all to hear Odessa's story. She is one of the most decorated head coach in women's tackle football history. She's a Hall of Famer, a seven times national champion, a two times USA football team captain, and a three time Team USA gold medalist. This episode is going to be focusing in on her journey and all the parts that we can relate to, right? This episode's about finding purpose building discipline, staying focused, and really casting out fear. And whether you're someone who's into football or not, whether you're into sports, you know, this episode is just going to talk to you about how this woman was able to accomplish so much. And I think that it's so inspiring for us to hear her story. All right. So if this is your first time listening, make sure that you're subscribed. And also, if you want to be on our email list, just sign up at dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. All right, let's get into this episode. What's good, Raina? I am so excited. So where in the world are you? I should say where in the USA are you right now? Yeah, I'm actually, I am in the USA. I'm in North Texas, Dallas, right outside of Dallas in a town called Rowlett, Texas. Okay, I never heard of that. I'm in, uh, I'm over here in the Oranges in New Jersey, right? Close to uh, New York City. So you're... You're down in Texas. I'm in New Jersey, but I'm about to take a drive, okay? I'm That's riding what? down over to Texas. I'm pulling up in front of your house, right? And we are about to take a trip today, OJ. But first, I want us to go back in time. The first place we are going to pull up to is let's go to LA, South Central, right? That's where you grew up. Let's go home. Let's do it. Okay, yeah, let's go home. Um, And tell me, what was inspiring the young OJ? Like, what were the things that were really exciting you about the world and yourself at this point in time? You know, I think for me as a young person at that point in time, my family was very inspiring. You know, my dad is was an entertainer, um, a gospel singer, leader of a gospel band. My mom was a was a hustler, right? All um, always involved in working multiple different jobs. They both worked to to make sure that we had what we needed. So I think I was inspired a lot by creativity, but also hard work. And so it was this great, you know, upbringing at the time, being in LA, sunshine, kissing your skin. It was, I I was able to see the power of creativity and the power of hard work come together and and really just help us survive. Did you have a job, you know, being that your dad was an entertainer and like your mom was doing so many other things and they kind of give you this de facto, all right, this is your job in the house. So this is the thing that OJ was good at growing up. Yeah, you know, we had a pretty disciplined household. Everyone had a responsibility to help maintain the home, to help maintain the family. Um, yeah, I was lucky enough that my mom really focused in on the things that were my passion, my education, sports, those kind of things. But when it came to what you had to do, you had to clean your space. You had to be disciplined about the way you worked, you operated in communal areas and family areas. And you had to go to church. Like, you know, <laughs> listen, Sunday, yeah. you already know what it was, right? Exactly, exactly. So if I thought about 
what my job was. It was to first take care of myself, take care of our space, and then make sure that you, you that you brought God in everything you did. Did you have a dream as a kid? I know I was listening to one of your recent interviews and you talked about how, you know, you love sports, right? But you also like being a leader as well. So talk to me a little bit about those those young dreams the young OJ was dreaming. Yeah, you know, I think I have very specific dreams, but more importantly, and I'm really proud of it, my dreams all align with my why. Like I'm a very intrinsic leader and it always related to, I want to help people. I want to help women. I want to help other girls who are like me, who might be different, who might look different and move different and want to do things differently. I want to make sure that there's always a space for them and there's always someone that they can look to to be confident. I never forget like rolling around with my aunts and my uncles and seeing them doing certain things or looking on the TV and never really seeing anyone who looked like me. Like I always wanted to make a space um, for someone else. So when I when I think about what my dreams were as a child, like, yeah, I wanted to own stuff and do stuff. But more importantly, it always came back to I want to I want to be a coach. I want to be at the front of the I want to be at the front of the room making space for others. Did you find that you were encouraged to do that? Like, you know how sometimes when you're young and you have these dreams, I know for me, a lot of my teachers used to see things in me and they let me like I ran the school store. I did all these interesting things. But how did that pan out for you and just your early uh, educational experience? Oh, yeah. The, the people always saw it. So I think you know, well, in my family, I was able to lead early. My mom and dad let me make decisions for my life really early. And that was one way that I think it got amplified in my home. Like, hey, you want to go to a different school because you want to play ball or you want to have an education, a better education. So you want to take two trains and a bus to school instead of going to school in the neighborhood. You get to make that decision. Here's the here's how you do it. And that I was able to make that decision at 13, right? Actually, at 12, um, I didn't want to go to junior high school in Watts. I, I wanted to go to a school that had sports, that had other opportunities. And my mom was like, bet, that means you're going to have to take the bus at 12. Okay, cool. Wow. Cross three cities, you good with that? Yeah. Um, so I think that was kind of the first way that my family did it. And then obviously in school, I was you know, president of of certain clubs and, and and student councils and that kind of thing. I was always put into a leadership position, whether it be through sports as Captain Hood or or outside of sports and other other organizations. You know, as you were doing all this and as you were learning to like learning about who you were, was there anything you were struggling with earlier? And then we'll get into you know how everything panned out. But we'd love to know, like, did you remember? I'm sorry. Did you remember if there was like any internal struggles as a kid as well? Yeah, I think two things that always I struggled with as a kid. One was around my body image and just because I I looked different from a lot of other girls. Like I was very dark skinned. I had like 0.2% 0.2% body fat like my whole life like I never like I naturally was, like that athletic build like you were naturally like that naturally <laughs> muscular naturally athletic but small and so I always felt different and and tried to place tried to find that space for me and then as I grew up there was there was always the external pressure of being that dark. See, oh, you're pretty for 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 a black Don't girl. You hate that, like <laughs> right. And so, like as soon as I started finding myself, it was like, oh, I am beautiful. You know, I do believe the, the this this love that I'm getting from my family, from my parents, from external. But it was always caveated, right? And so, I think that was always an internal struggle that I had to get through. And the other one was like, it never made sense to me the kind of things that happen in impoverished neighborhoods. Like, it never makes sense to me that people were okay with people just disappearing, whether it be through violence or through going to prison or that we didn't have as much as other had like that. It never made sense to me that people seemed okay with that. Like, literally, as a kid, I would ask questions like, why don't we have a car like that? Or Mm. why did this person die? Like, why did they shoot him? Like, I, I never, it never made sense to me. And thank God it never made sense. Right, because your path, your life could have looked 
a lot different. If you're like, oh, I'm cool with this and I want to be part of it, but you kind of saw yourself as having this different trajectory for your life, right? And being fueled by something different. And the reason why I asked you those questions is as I was looking over your story, I was, I was like, what's motivating her, right? Like, what's that thing? Like, what's that fuel in your car? Because we're about to go somewhere else now, right? We're about to leave LA and um, take me to college. Take me to, I think, I feel like college is that point in all of our lives. Well, maybe not all of our lives, right? But most of our lives, right? If we do get to go to college or that period, that age period where there's a there's a shift that happens, Right. What was that shift for you? And then exiting college as you get into the real world, and I'm saying that in air quotes, what was your, what was the, all right, what was the goal then? So what was the shift? And then what was this goal coming out of it? I think the shift, and you talk about it for everyone, and it's why I do think um, people should either go to college or at least leave their cities at that age, is, 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 is the shock that happens when you leave the safety of your tribe. Um, or the familiarity of your tribe, even if your home, even if your neighborhood, if even if your environment wasn't safe, was it wasn't comfortable, you knew it. And so I think the shift that happened for me is not having the answer, not having the person that I could go to to get the answer, not having the familiarity of the environment or the people. Like people were different and they ate different things. Like I always talk about, like, it seems weird, but, like, the first bagel with cream cheese I had was in college. I'm like, are you serious? When we eat bagels with cream cheese? But you know what's so funny? Maybe that's just, like, a, maybe it's a cultural thing. Because where I'm from in Jersey, like, that's what you go, you go to, to the corner store. That's you get your bagel, cream cheese, or jelly. <laughs> nah, you get you some, and, and watch, you get you some Wonder Bread, and you maybe have <laughs> you a, a, a cinnamon sandwich, cinnamon, cinnamon with sugar sandwich or something like that. But, like, you just don't go. There's no bodegas in L.A. Okay. So you don't go. You know what I'm saying? In South Central L.A., you don't go pick up a bagel and some cream cheese. It just wasn't a thing. And so just little things like that that were culturally different. I think the shift for me was that I could that the things I learned and the things that I had inside of me, I was still able to lead. I was still being picked out to 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 be a leader. I still had that thing that that helped me rise, rise above the crowd, the crowd. And so I think that was the shift for me. Like, even though I didn't have all the things that I leaned on, my goodness, I still, I'm still at the top of the pack. Yeah, and knowing the thing that you're good at, because I say this a lot. So I too was, I, I want to call myself an athlete growing up, right? But I wasn't really good, right? I wanted to be the best. I wanted to be the next flow joker. I never made it even to the flow part of the flow yeah. right? I wanted to, I love sports so much, but I don't know if it was like a me thing or a coach thing or just the, actual team that I was on thing but I never actually excelled when it came to like winning championships and all that stuff but I was always a team captain I won all the leadership awards so I had like the work ethic I just didn't have the what's the word the mechanics right um but it's funny because I knew whatever wherever I went I could lead I know whatever I went I could speak I know wherever I went I knew how to maneuver the situation I knew how to inspire those around me were you seeing these gifts within yourself because it also seems like you were building this confidence of right this is what I can do and no one could take it from me yeah I felt like I had a cheat code right like when I saw mm -hmm. the kids around me they hadn't a lot of them hadn't experienced adversity Right. And by the time I was 18 years old and went to college, I had done a lot. I hadn't left my city for real, never gotten on many planes um, outside of college recruiting. But like I, I, I had only been familiar with the things that I had experienced, but I had so much adversity that I built up a massive amount of resilience to change, to pain, to failure, to loss. So these things that were happening to me every day, I'm like, yo, this is how you do it. Okay, when we don't, when things don't happen our way, here's how we come back from that. Oh, great, you didn't get what you wanted to get. This is how you go get it. Oh, wow, we don't have enough. Here's how you make it happen with not enough. And so I realized it wasn't just confidence. It was like, wait a minute, these things that I thought were I was struggling through that I turned my head and my nose up to are actually things that put me above the pack right now because I know how to respond. Yep, taking those what you what other people might you know deem as what's the word 
unfortunate things, right? You're like, mm, these are actually like, these are my toolkit. These are my, these are the fuel. These are the things that really are helping me just learn how to navigate the real, real world, right? Because college isn't really the real world if you think about it. It's just a little microcosm of just a larger cultural entity. But let us go. Now we're leaving college, right? We're still in the car. What kind of car we got right now? What kind of car uh, are we in? We, we got us, oh, we got us a green Pontiac Firebird 1993. That's what we're All going right. With. So I'm that rolling behind you too. in my black Toyota Corolla 1999. Okay. So I'm, I got the Corolla. You, you got this Pontiac, right? Um, <laughs> Where? Don't worry about it. The first car, the first car was a pink '89 Toyota Corolla. So, but I didn't have that upgraded. <laughs> but so you know, rolling out of college, it seemed like you you were confident that you'll find something. Where did you land? And how did those first, like the first ten years of figuring out the career world, work for you? Because a lot of us, I, I want to say, I'm, I just reached. It was just my ten year college reunion this year right and it's just so funny thinking about where I was when I first left college and then where I am now and just how much changed for me so for you you know we could really we could talk your whole career journey could be one podcast within itself I don't want to spend too much time on on that part so I want to get to like women in sports and what you're doing a bonfire but would love to know like what do you think were the biggest lessons you were learning for these first 10 years post-college yeah I think that I think the first thing is that I I just wanted to make money, right? Mm. <laughs> I, I I had my mind on um, helping my family. Um, you know, my sister at the time I had a tenth kid. Um, my mom, ten? you said 10, that right? Process seven, eight, nine, ten. Ooh, okay, okay. <laughs> Shout out to my nieces and nephews. But mm. yeah, so I had I had responsibilities to my family to filling the gap. Um, as the as the single sort of person who had been the only person to go and had these opportunities, and so it was really real to me that it took money to make make sure that my family was good. So I think that was that was immediately on my brain. So finding a lucrative opportunity in an industry that I knew had customers and that kind of stuff was really really important. I couldn't take a lot of chances. So my first job out of college was with Wells Fargo because they were my bank. And I was like, okay, well, it's like it's going to be good. So I think that was kind of how my brain was thinking initially. And then from there, getting into technology for the first time a couple years after, I realized like there was there was more to just looking at the 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 dollars that you made. It 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 really became apparent to me that I wanted to work with something that I was passionate on and that drove me and that challenged me and that I could make a massive impact. Um, you know, hero complex, whatever you want to call it. I, I was going to be- ask you that. Like, do you ever feel, did you feel there was a, a, a low key burden there? Because, you know, I feel like especially, I come from an immigrant household, right? And I think it's this mentality of like, you got to make it more than we made it. We sacrificed so much to get you here so you could bring everyone behind you. But at the same time, it's like, I can't carry everyone, right? It could be tough at times. No, it's high key. It's not low key at all. Mm-hmm. I think because... I, especially, you know, my mother, God rest her soul. Uh, I think when when she was here, there was definitely a responsibility that I had to make all of her dreams come true, to fulfill. It was really specific to her to fulfill and exceed every dream that she had ever told me about. Baby, I want I want I always wanted to go to college. Bang. Baby, I always wanted to work in a big company. Boom. Mm-hmm. They all always wanted to own a house. Okay, bam. I always wanted to travel the world and see other countries. Got to do that. So it was like I taking the small amount of things that I had and amplifying them was like a complex, right? It was a complex. Yeah. But that's you why seem successful though, right? It was like sometimes those things that could be our complexes also make us very successful. Dream drivers, you know in today's world, it seems the best treatment is reserved only for a few. Well, Discover wants to change that by making everyone feel special. That's why with your Discover card, you have access to 24-7 live customer service as well as $0 fraud liability, which means you're never held responsible for unauthorized purchases. Finally, no matter who you are or where you are in life, you'll feel special with Discover. Learn more at discover.com slash credit card. Limitations apply. 
Hey, Dream Drivers, this episode of Dreams and Drive is brought to you by Mickey D's. So you guys know a full car of what you want in the Mickey D's drive-thru is just the right amount of chaos. So I've had times where me and my girls have been out, you know, had a fun night, and a night is never complete without pulling up to Mickey D's drive-thru, right? And you're all in the car and you're trying to figure out, hey, girl, what you want, what you want, what you want? And everybody is either ordering some McDonald's fries uh, you know, you, you got to get a McDonald's McFlurry if you want. And also a warm chocolate chip cookie. That's my go-to order, right? So I have all these great memories of just being in that McDonald's drive-thru with my friends and just being able to end the night on a high note. And one of the things I love about ordering late night at McDonald's is you will not be breaking the bank, right? So it's just the perfect way to end your night. Everyone's got their own Mickey D's moments. Go on and make more delicious memories. This episode of Dreams and Drive is brought to you by the new Peacock original, Kings from Queens, The Run DMC Story. The three-part documentary series explores the never-been-told story of hip-hop's iconic forefathers, Run DMC. From meeting on the streets of Hollis, Queens, to breaking barriers and legitimatizing an entire genre of music, Run DMC's legacy spans decades. After a series of life-changing events and challenges, including the murder of Jam Master J, Rev Run and DMC reunite to tell their story and celebrate the one-of-a-kind sound that took not only Queens, but the world by storm. With exclusive interviews from Joseph Rev Run Simmons, Daryl DMC McDaniels, and hip-hop legends like Ice-T and Questlove, Kings from Queens, the Run DMC story dives into the origins of a group that changed music forever. Kings from Queens, the Run DMC story is streaming now only on Peacock. Oh, yeah, they hurt. You know what I mean? At least you open to and vulnerable to those looking to take advantage. Right. If you're always trying to prove something, there's going to be always someone looking to take something from you. So that was a lot of personal lessons that I had to learn through that, through those complexes, but I wouldn't trade it for anything because it's why I got into technology. Like literally seeing what tech could do is it could take a small amount of resources and have them give them a massive impact. And that 10 years of my career and 10 years of my life really followed that path. You know, I want to know during this time, as you were building this early part of your career, what was the role sports was playing? Were you, you know, growing up, you did a lot of sports. Co- the college, did you play anything in college? Yeah, I played college basketball. Shout out to Cal Poly. Okay, so did you find that you were able to still pursue that part of who you were, that that part of your identity, while still building, you know, the Odessa Jenkins brand in corporate America? It was critical that I did. The the Odessa Odessa Jenkins brand in corporate America is Odessa, the athlete. It's OJ, the coach. You know, I started coaching uh, my college when I turned 20. My my college coach came to me and said, hey. Yeah, actual, you were coaching the team? I started coaching coaching the, the women that I played with the year before. So it was like, oh, teammate, now I'm your coach. Um, so it always, um, every way that I led was from what I learned in my family community, but mostly what I learned through team sports. You know, there's a reason why so many female executives have been former athletes, like almost 80% of them, especially in the fortune 1000. Um, it's because of what you learn through team sports, the principles of teamwork, the principles of sisterhood, the principles of handling tough situations and communications. That has always been a part of me. So I was always like, when I moved, you talked about being in Orange, um, you know, I, my company in that 10 years moved me to New Jersey because we had an office in Franklin Lakes and I lived in a little town, um, you know, uh, called Nutley, New Jersey. Oh, Nutley, yeah. And you know, it's funny, I went, my preschool, I went to preschool in Nutley, Abundant Life Academy in Nutley. <laughs> I don't even know if it's still, if it's still, um, if it's still there, but yeah, I know Nutley. But yeah, through that point of me building a career and getting my most senior roles early in my career, I was also playing football and playing pickup basketball at the, you know, at the L.A. Fitness right there in SX. It's like it just it it was a it was always it was always a part of my life, continuing to amplify and build. And then obviously the business of sport um, soon after became another one of my businesses. So I think. It never left me. I've always brought an athlete's, a corporate athlete's perspective to the, to work. 
I love that you mentioned that because I think sometimes some of us feel like we have to leave parts of our identity at home in order to succeed, right? So what were the things that you were doing, like the actual tactical real life things to make sure that you can have these dual interests, right? You wanted to be successful at the job, but you still wanted to do the things you love. How did you manage the two? Because it seems like that's something that a lot of us oftentimes struggle with is just being able to make sure those two are at play, can be at play. Step one is discipline. Like as 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 intrinsically motivated as I am by love and passion and people and the things I want to be and see, discipline. I right, sticking making a plan and doing the things that you have to do so you can do the things you want to do. Like the, all the dreams that I've had, I couldn't do it all. Um, I had to pick some things and leave some things out. So in order to do sports and do technology, I had to leave things I wanted out. There's other things that I want in life that I can't go do because those two things are my priorities. And so having the discipline and frankly, being able to sacrifice the other things is something you have to be willing to do. It's why a lot of entrepreneurs have very limited amount of friends, very tough family situations, or are are only focused on one thing in their life. Because If you want to live all your dream and use multiple gifts, then you have to be disciplined. And there's something that you're going to have to be doing that you don't want to do so you can do what you want to do. And that's 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 the hard part. (laughs) Tough. Yeah. What was that thing for you? The thing that you didn't like about, you know, you're doing the thing you didn't want to do. What was that thing for you? I don't want to move to New Jersey. <laughs> like, you know, you like, hold up, hold up, hold up. We might have to stop Sorry, this interview. I'm... Right? Jersey is not that bad, okay, girl? It's not that bad. <laughs> I did not want to move to New Jersey. Um, so I think like I did not want to be in a role that I was in um when I was directing um in account management. I knew that that was temporary for me, but it was important for me to get to the next phase in my career. Um, it required me to be really on some nine to five stuff, show up to an office, leave the office. Um, there was a time even back in the day where I'm an, I'm an extrovert. I think I lie. I don't want to be around people. I get energi- energized by the pack. Um, as a part of doing my job, I had to work from home. This was before it was cool. This was before there were, this was Blackberry days. You feel me? Um, as a young person and I was young and I had to work from home and it, killed me to work from home every day and not see people. But I had to do it. You gotta, these are things that you have to do. I can't, my friends don't ask me to go places during the week. I can't take a vacation. I couldn't take a vacation for seven years. Like, I wanted to. to, Sorry, and I was gonna say, it seems like you were able to really set boundaries in your life, whether it was a boundary within yourself, the boundaries with others. And I do, I love what you said about playing sports. And I remember, so I worked in career services when I was at Princeton um, as an undergrad. And the thing, and we used to see a lot of like the postgraduate surveys and the athletes did the best like post-college. They overperformed, like they were the ones getting the jobs post, you know, post-graduating. They were the ones who were earning more and it was just so funny because in school the athletes were always looked at as being like not the best students right but it wasn't the grades that mattered it was that work ethic and it was that ability to self-motivate right you have to be a self-starter but again I go back to discipline like being if you saw if most people saw the schedule of a 19 year old college division one basketball player it would like you pass out because from 5.45 a.m. to almost 11 p.m., you are doing things. And oh, yeah, I worked at the sandwich factory in between that, right? Like it's like most people at 19 and 20 cannot comprehend the amount of things that you have to achieve in order to prepare to play, to be a college athlete. And so I think that discipline that it takes to do multiple things. You have to be a student. You have to be an athlete. You have to study. You have to be a entertainer. You have to be all of these things. Um, and that's why, that's why they do well, you know, and, and I, that prepared me well for what I'm doing in life now. 
Yeah. Was there any point in this early part of your career where you felt like maybe this isn't what I really want to love doing? Like, did you feel fulfilled? And I say that because I think sometimes we can be successful, but we oftentimes may feel like there's something missing. Did that ever, did you ever feel like that? Yeah, I did. I think that's when I left uh, healthcare technology and started to look up for something that was more impactful in the world to me. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's, I think that's when I decided to go into the, to the world of corporate impact and social impact and building technology that drove that. Um, Cause I, I still wanted to be on the tech and like partnership side and be on that side, but I really wanted to do a thing that I could look at every single day and says who, and say, well, here's who I helped. And it was, it was the kind of thing that I wanted. So yeah, that happened about 10 years, 11 years in, in my career. But what I will say that I've never deprived myself of is I never deprive myself of love and the relationships that matter to me. That's not something I was ever willing to sacrifice. Um, and I never like I, I come from a place where people are here today and gone tomorrow and never see past mm-hmm. the age of 19 and 20. So the concept of like kicking, punting it forward and doing it later, like I never I I, I didn't see things that way. If I if I I, I had to be fulfilled in my day-to-day, even if it wasn't at work. So Dream Drivers, I'm a few months into this mother of two life changing diapers every day. Luckily for me, I'm a Pampered Swallers mama, so I don't have much to worry about when it comes to changing time. Did y'all know that Pampered Swallers features a blowout barrier at the back waist to help prevent up to 100% of leaks, even blowouts? So I can rest assured that I'll have superior leak protection while keeping my baby skin healthy and dry. And listen, need a hot baby shower gift for parents to be in 2024? Pampers now has Pampers Diaper Stashes, which is an online diaper fund so you can get the diaper stockpile that never has to run out. It's the gift that always fits. You can take the guesswork out of choosing what size and how many diapers to gift. And it's easy to use. You just create a surprise diaper stash account, share the link with family and friends, watch that stash grow, and then gift the stash to the parents-to-be so they can buy Bampers diapers and wipes whenever they like. And I wish I had this for my baby shower because, honestly, it just allows others to contribute in a way that allows us parents to buy what we need when we need it. Gifting physical diapers is cool, but that diaper stash fund gives that ease and flexibility back in the hands of us mamas. Pampers, thanks for the new ways to allow family and friends to say, we've got you. This episode of Dreams and Drive is brought to you by McDonald's Best Burgers Ever. McDonald's classic burgers are hotter, juicier, and tastier than ever before, so much so that Hamburglar is on the loose. The patties are cooked to juicy perfection, the cheese is perfectly melted, the Big Mac sauce has more special sauce in every bite, they're topped with a pillowy soft golden bun. These are truly McDonald's best classic burgers ever. Or in the words of the Hamburglar, robble robble. Grab McDonald's best burgers ever before Hamburglar does at a McDonald's near you. Like I'd find other ways. And so I think, again, work not, might, might not be the thing always, but you got to always pay yourself in some way. You know, I love that you mentioned that because um, I talked about this with the past guest and I know your whole mission is really pushing equity for women and girls. And I feel like women so much find that they have to sacrifice that, right? Like a lot of women I know, like say, oh, I can't have kids until I'm 80, right? Because I gotta, I gotta do this. Or I can't have a partner because I have to climb the corporate ranks and, you know, focusing on relationships aren't important. But I love that you mentioned that because I feel like those things are the foundation by which we all need, right? Like what's life if you can't enjoy it and can't really, you know, reap the benefits of what a loving relationship gives you or what having children, what, you know, traveling and self-care looks like. Why do you think that pushing that conversation, especially when it comes to just equity and in business for women is so important? Because that is the point, mm-hmm. right? When you talk, when you talk to people that have the things that we are all working to try and get, they always come back to freedom, Freedom is doing what you want to do with the people you want to do it with. That's what wealth, that's what riches, that's what it gains you. And so if we're all trying to get back to that, if you have it or the ability to grasp it a little bit, you are missing the point if you don't take it, if you don't take small bites of it, if you haven't. So I think it's like, we're not all trying to 
get rich to get rich. We're not all trying to build family wealth to build family wealth. We're trying to do those things so that they don't have to worry about that so they can do these other things. Like the, remember the why, remember the outcome that you want to get to. And so I think for women, a lot of time, our whys and our outcomes, we let others drive them. We forget we have a choice. I say this all the time. You forget your choice because for a lot of women, the choices get defined for us, right? In our families, you are supposed to do this. As women in society, you're supposed to wear this and talk in this tone and carry yourself this way. And this is a man's world and you do these things. And so I think that positioning is is heavier for women that we forget that we have a choice because so many of our choices are defined for others. By uh, a- that That is a word there, choice. I like that. Let, let, let's get in the car again, okay? You put your seatbelt on this time. No driving too fast. Um, I want to, we're not going to go to a a place, but let's go to a, I'm sorry, I meant to say, we're not going to go to like a location perhaps. Let's let's go to a time in life, right? And, and the words here are football. Because I want to talk about you, you founding the Women's National Football Conference, right? WNF, uh, WNFC in 2018. But take, take me to a little bit before that. Why half, right? Um, football was always a part of your life. You were always into sports, but you, that's such a unique thing, right? Talk to me about a little bit more about that founding story and then we'll, we'll get back in the car. Yeah, I think there's two moments. So we're okay. the first moment is 2017. We're in Vancouver, Canada, and I am enjoying another amazing victory by the US national women's tackle team. And I'm looking around at my teammates and I'm seeing at right, you know, that no one else in the world knows we won. No one else seemed mm. to care. Um, and then I see the struggle. I see the struggle of having to go back home. And the debt that it took to get them there, um, the fact that they had um, achieved something that no one else in the world at the U.S. national team level had achieved, yet they come home in worse spots. And so I, I remember that moment because that moment made me think that I need to use more of my gifts to help evaluate, to help elevate these women, my teammates. So at first it was just selfish, like the people I knew that I knew had been playing football. Women have been playing football for years and years and years. I just wanted to see them have a better platform, a better springboard and some, some financial equity. And then the second moment happened right after that. I got an internship with the Atlanta Falcons and I got to see even more of it. And I got to see the riches um, that were poured in to uh, the NFL and that the, the billionaire owners had um, you know, made that investment. And I, I saw what that had did, did for a lot of men um, in the NFL. And I wanted to do that for women. I wanted to see um, that I didn't want a woman to feel what I'd felt that as the best in the world, that no one's going to ever give you something and you have to be OK with that. I, I, you know, I want to I ask you about that. I know you talked about that feeling, but describe to that. Describe that to me a little bit more. Um, I know there's a story where you said you were watching someone sign um i'm not i don't know football like that but you were watching or you 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 witnessed the signing of just how much that package was compared to hey you were the best running back and nobody knew about you right yeah Talk so to me about those guttural feelings at that moment yeah and you know it's weird because it's 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 there's so many layers to it and intersectionalities because you feel proud you know a brother a black man is about to sign the highest contract in the history of the NFL. He's about to become a millionaire and have generational wealth is someone I respected as a coach, Devontae Freeman. He had worked his tail off from it, came from hard times in Florida. Like at this, I'm proud. <laughs> like I'm a proud, I'm a proud, I'm excited, happy for the team. And at the same time, in my heart, you know, and in my palms, I can't control the sweating, the anxiety that I feel knowing that I, from an equitable standpoint, am in his shoes in terms of talent and that there's nobody better than me at that moment at the running back position. Yet I never, let alone sign a financial contract just for the purposes of playing football, um, no one had ever given me anything for doing a good job. 
I never, I never got a hoodie. I never got mm. gloves. I never got socks. I never got a sponsorship deal. And so it just, it was, it, there was so much anxiety because I, I don't, I'm not an envious person, but I also didn't want anybody to feel, any woman to feel what I felt. So that was, that was deeply what I was feeling in that moment. And I didn't watch the contract sign, but I, that's what was happening while I was mm-hmm. in the, in the building. No, but you know, I think there's always something there, there has to be, um, like, Solving a problem is also is all often always like the reason why people are starting something, right? So what was the problem that you were solving with the WNFC? The problem that I was solving was uh creating there was no financial um equity, there's no financial opportunities for women for fans there really was no economy built for women's tackle football even though football fans were large majority women even though the market of the game was growing globally there was no economic opportunity and development for women playing other women mm. it, it it was a problem that seemed so weird um, but had never really been addressed. There have been leagues, there have been women playing each other. You can play all you want, but playing for the purpose of creating financial gain for women hadn't explicitly been solved or, tr- you, or tried to solve. Do you feel like it wasn't... Hmm, so I know you said women have been playing football for over 80 years, right? Tackle football. But why do you feel like it was just so ignored by everyone or the financial players or just entities that could have could have done this before you yeah i think there's a couple of things behind that rooted in that i think one a lot of people even some women don't believe um in equity they don't mm-hmm. believe that women should be doing everything some people Uh, believe that there is a place for women and that women, we'll go back to this word, don't have every choice that a man has and shouldn't. Mm. I'm just going to keep it real. real. Like that, that drove a lot of it, even the people in it. Let's create a league, but let's not talk about paying players. Like, that's weird. Let's make sure that we create as much opportunity for everyone as possible. Or let's talk about paying players but let's not set a standard for millionaires coming into this thing. So it just, it it was always backwards. There seemed to be the thought, but never the structure to allow it to happen. And if you have a thought without structure, plan, discipline, then you don't, you don't really have a plan. And so I think part of the issue was around not really believing that it could happen not truly believing that it should happen. And then two, I think the game wasn't developed. It was underdeveloped. The best athletes weren't playing the at the best places and we weren't showing the game in the best way. So, you know, when you looked at it, it was kind of... Yeah. You know, when you said, all right, I have this idea, I have to technically you're in park now, right? And to get it to drive, that's the thing. We all could have these amazing ideas, these amazing wise that are fueling it but it's the execution sometimes and oftentimes it's that getting past the doubt to get to drive right sometimes the tactical stuff that stuff can get figured out but for you what was the hardest part about going from park to drive in order to get this idea and the 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 company well not even company what would you what would you call it the 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 movement right isn't a movement yeah, yeah it's, it's absolutely to, to get it going. What do you think was that hardest thing you had to overcome? I think the there were a lot of things. It's hard to pick one thing. Um, but one thing that I think for me it remains hard is not going it alone. Mm. Uh, I Building think the team is that what you mean? Yeah, when you try to move from park to drive, a lot of times you are thinking about yourself. What what am I going to do? What am I like? What's my next steps? What's my, 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 my? I think going from the me to the we 
And I don't mean like using people or snatching up resources. I mean, thinking about your responsibility to others, your commitment to others, the discipline that you need to have and the discipline that you need to um, affect from others, holding others accountable. Um, say, you said you would do this. This is what you need to do. Um, and knowing that sometimes like you were sowing a seed. So I think the biggest um, struggle moving from from Park was I'm a very stubborn um, and proud woman and I want to be able to do it. And I think there's moments where it's like, it might not be you. It might, it might be yeah. someone else. If you want to move a movement, you got to be willing to have someone else do the thing and you have to be willing to do it as a, as a group sometimes. And I think that was, that's a, that's a hard lesson sometimes for the entrepreneur to get out the way. You know, too, I just wonder, you know, I'm just, I'm just curious because it seems like a very big undertaking, right? Like how, or you don't have to give us the whole gameplay here. You see that pun gameplay? <laughs> um, but uh, uh, <laughs> what, like, were there just some certain steps and this could be maybe steps that other people can take, whether whatever type of thing that they're trying to, they're trying to put into drive. What were the big things beyond building a team that you really had to get right in order to get moving? I think one is clarifying what I wanted, clarifying what I wanted to happen in the short term and medium term and long term. Because I think the dream is a dream. I want everybody to make a billion dollars. I want, I want, I want, I want the next girl to wake up and know that she can be the quarterback. And she doesn't have to dream about being the quarterback of the Dallas Cowboys. She can dream about being the quarterback of the Texas Elite Spartans. Um, and that's very high level, but you got to come down with your plan. You got to get very, very specific. Get specific. So step one, get specific and be willing to share it and be willing to to reiterate it and get feedback on it and be wrong about it. But I think the first thing was get specific. I had to get specific about how the plan was going to work in the short term, medium term, long term. And then the other thing is get funding. Like it, it's this crazy thought um, that we have misconstrued about how the best things that have ever happened happened because someone else was willing to fund it. And especially in and we like, don't talk about that part. Like people, yeah, I think people just gloss over. Like you need money to make things happen, baby. You know, but you always need your money. And I think that's part of this pride, especially in the black community. Like we all oh, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and you borrowed from this, and you did that, and you. Whereas, when you look at the largest business in the world or the greatest entre American entrepreneurs, they started with help. They have these networks, these these fa this family wealth, or um, through their education network and their Ivy League education. Like they, everybody says, like it's not a big deal that that um, you know some of these billionaires started with a million dollar loan from their dad. You know what my life would look like if I started with a million dollar loan from my dad? I'd be Maybe a different, <laughs> right? And so it's like I think we forget that it takes. Money, it takes funding, and you got to go get it from somewhere. You got to go find it. So, so I, I, I want to ask you that because some of your sponsors, you have Adidas, you have Dicks, Riddle, Humble, right? Like, what, what were those conversations like? Like, what do you think was the reason why they say yes? Because I, I work in sponsorships, too. So it's all about, like, people want to know, what do I get out of it, right? So how were you able to sell the idea of... This is why you need to be sponsoring this movement. I don't have to sell you on your own why. Mm. That's how I sell, that's how I quote unquote sell women's sport. I don't go against your, I don't go against the grain. This is what you said you were about. Mm. If you, it's your brand is about inspiring the next generation to achieve more. If you say that you're, Focus this year is going to be on elevating the voice. If you say all of these things that you say your brand is about, and that's how you are going to get to the next level or the new, or, or if you let's get more specific, you say that women age 20 to 44 who are college educated or your core demographic, great, I got you, fam. And they're women of color. Let's get it popping. 
I got you. Like, it's hard. How do you tell me no when I checked your box? Wasn't my box. This was what you say you are about. And I think part of it is just getting in the room. How do I sell sports? Put me in a room. Like, just that's the problem with selling things is access. Most of the people getting the opportunity, the ones you knew. Before you had say that. Because why, why there should be every single Under Armour Nike. I'm, I'm not trying to say that you have, you're not in talk to them, right? But like, it's like no, they should be I'm coming not. to you that's, at this point, right? That's they the be- thing, though. It's like, if you've been in brand, you know this, you, you're yeah. in brand sponsorships, you know, think about sponsorships and how they actually work. How many it's people- like who you like, who was nice, wh- which agency was actually nice to you, and they want, like, that's yeah. what it comes down to. Yeah, the agencies, I want to say, hey, that's a strong one. Agencies don't like us. We're emerging. We're not part of the end group. The agencies kill deals for us, which is wild if you think about it. We do better going direct to brand than we do with agencies because you might not align with the investment thesis of the agency. Or their media planning goals. Like we're trying to hit this thing. You know, we're talking like, you know, that business here. But you know, I, I get what you're saying there. That is a don't... tough business, right? And so it's like most of the call to actions that these brands have or these agencies have are not real. They know the kind of the specific people they want to do business with. And there's a small amount of resources for quote unquote exploratory. My job is to not be exploratory. Because what you do is the core mission of the brand. I think it also goes to show, I think this is just a woman in sports overall. Why is it that most dollars only go to men? Shouldn't it be equal, equal, right? 50-50 women's and men's. But of course, there's just so much more funding that just goes to the marketing of men, men's sports. And just, there's a lot, there could be a whole podcast episode within itself, right? <laughs> there is. Um, oh, goal sports. It, there is. Okay. There, you know, the, the 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 reason, and I'm sure it's it's very complex, but ultimately it comes down to system, right? You think about economics and mathematics, like systems, people don't recreate them. Like these 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 genius CMOs and brand manager and all these things, like as much time as they spend on um planning and developing new plant they're all using the same formula and they're all copying off of each other and so you pour the dollars where you think they're going to work or where you've seen them work before um because because you're just copying you just you just you just want to see it be be done the way that it was done before because ultimately just getting to success is all you can think about whereas creators those who who capture a new market or capture more of the market, they're willing to take risks. They're willing, Nike is willing to lose a dollar. Adidas is willing to lose. These folks lose money through the shots they take. But it's the same reason why they're on top. They, they spend more in R&D than anyone else, but it's the same reason why they make more than anyone else. So what are the risks that you and your team are taking in order to really make sure that you guys are growing? I think the first thing, the first risk that we're taking is we're we're investing in ourselves. Every dollar we make, we put back into the league, the teams, or the act. Every dime, right? Like every dime gets reinvested. And so I think our team, <laughs> they would they would probably agree with this, is they are jeopardizing themselves and in some ways our personal livelihood by betting 100% on this business and on this movement. I think the other thing is the risk that we're taking is we are promising and planning for things that don't that we don't have yet. You gotta visualize it first, right? Before it can even you have to like it has to be real in your mind before it becomes real. In some real ways in you gotta in some ways you gotta commit to it. Like yeah. in some have to absolutely commit to something and don't know how to do it in order to get ahead because that's that's sometimes how equity is created. So I think those two things, I think going all in and being really to being willing to risk what loss means to, to us financially, you know, all of those things. And then the second thing is I think 
having the sheer audacity um, to say yes to things that we don't know how to do yet. I'm so sorry, OJ. This baby, he's like, ta- he, he, he just started talking this way. No, I he's appreciate only, him. He, hey, he's, hey, only hey. Three, he's only three months. He's like, amen, and his little baby cooing, right? And every time I put him in his chair, he's like, ma, no, I want to hear. Bring me back to the mic. <laughs> but, you know, the thing that I, I wonder, too, is, and I think this is the big thing that our dream drivers, as we kind of wind down, is the marketing and getting the word out. That's also very difficult when it comes uh, alongside funding, right? And making sure you have people who are showing up to watch these women play and to make sure people even know about it, right? Because there was a time where you never even knew that there were professional women even, you know, playing tackle football or just playing professionally. So what tips would you have for others, you know, things that have worked for you all about how to just get the word out and get that marketing arm going as well? Yeah, I think the 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 one of the you know best best resources that I ever um read is called a book called Power of Who by Bob Bodine. And it really drove me to um develop the marketing and branding strategy um for the WNFC initially. And it was all about starting where you are, starting with the people, um uh aligning with your raving fan and you utilizing the the resources and network of your raving fan and playing to them. The other thing was understanding who we wanted to market to, right? Like, I don't think any time had really been taken to say, okay, we know the demographic of the buyer is today of women's football, but who doesn't know about it that we think would love it? So building a persona, and that came later, and shout out to Erin Harville, because she's a brilliant brand strategist um, uh, that, that consults with us at the WNFC. But being able to elevate from, here's the women's football network, but here's the network of sports and entertainment. Let's build a persona and start marketing for them. That was another risk. It's to start turning our messaging, our branding, our visuals to a new demographic that aligned with our core demographic, but wasn't hurt. And and it paid off tremendously. It's the reason why now, you know, 40% of our demographic is young men. Wow, wow, wow. And that, that can grow. And you know, once you have those fellas, they go hard. I mean, women go hard too, but like it, it just also just shows just how the the how really tackling and, and getting into that market will just really help you guys grow in the future as well. Well, OJ, thank you so much for sharing. Um, I wanna before we go, I wanna just highlight the work that you're doing at Bonfire, right? Because I think it's really it's funny how like everything comes full circle, right? Because the work you're doing there now. Definitely helps you with what you're doing with WNFC and just your overall, I guess, like your overall life mission, right? So tell our dream drivers about your work at Bonfire and how that fuels you, uh, how that is fueling you as a person as well. Absolutely. Bonfire, our mission really is driven around helping work, work better for everyone. And the way that we do that is by equipping women with opportunities to lead more and create workplace environments where leadership for women is possible. Um, and we, we, we are so focused on accelerating opportunities and equity for women that it aligns completely with my life's mission, which is just that. That is my purpose. That's why I'm here. I think about how I've narrowed down what my purpose is. Um, and I proudly lead the way doing that um, in the workplace for Bonfire. Cause I think there's a lot of companies that want to develop leadership in women that want to develop their existing high potential mid-level women, but don't know how, don't know where to start. And that's really where Bonfire comes in. We say, we got you and we got her. And when, when she comes back, she's going to be even better and you all are going to be be more successful as a result. Being the CEO, is there anything that scares you, right? Because you think of CEO, that's a big title and it's an important one and you task with a lot. But like, what's that thing that, well, number one, is there anything that scares you? And if not, like what keeps you motivated? Nothing scares me. If I think about what my one, one of my 
best gifts is and that I don't, I'm not afraid of anything. Not, not, it's not even spiders, not like nothing. <laughs> I'm not afraid of any consequence. Um, I'm not afraid of any person. Is that a learned quality? I say that because, you know, I think it takes a lot to just admit. Like, I have, like, I'm pretty fearless, but do you feel like that's something that you've harnessed over time, that ability to be fearless? Yeah, it probably, it probably at one time was a toxic trait. <laughs> like, I ain't scared probably, of nothing. <laughs> it probably comes from trauma, to be honest with you, but I don't, I just don't fear the outcome. Like, what can the world do for me? I'm going to be here, I'm going to live it, and then I'm going to leave. Like, I'm, I, I just don't see the point in being afraid. I don't get it. It does not make sense to me. So what's next for you, OJ? Like what beyond WNFC and the work you're doing at Bonfire? Is there anything exciting to come? Is there anything that you're working on that you want to tell our dream drivers about? That's it, Raina. Like I said, Mm -hmm. discipline and focus. I'm going to focus on those two things um, and my family, right? I love my family and my friends, but um, that's it. I got, I got pretty clear focus, get Bonfire, um, you know, to be the place, the go-to partner um, when a company is thinking about leadership development for their um, their their on-the-rise women. And then for the Women's National Football Conference to put women and girls in a position where they have economic opportunity as a result of playing football. It, I'm pretty focused on those two things and have no other things that I'm distracted by right now. That is the first time that I've heard someone explicitly talk about just why it's so important to have that focus, right? Because I think a lot of us are like dipping and dabbling in a thousand things and giving one thing 25, you know, during week one of the month and then week two, we're giving the other thing 50. What tips would you have for that person or who's just trying to figure out like what to focus on or why to focus, right? What would make you feel the best if you finished it? Ooh. You know, like what would make you feel like you could be done and you wouldn't, but what could make you feel like you could be done if you finished it? For me, I feel that there's there's creating equity and opportunity for women. If I can affect that for real, I can ensure that there are more women leading in more places at work because of something I was a part of, man, I can be done. If I can look and turn on my television or open my news channel or listen to my Alexa tell me that this team has been purchased for this millions of dollars plant for women's football team and this player has signed their multi-million dollar contract or NIL deal. I wake up to that. I could be done. I'm, that's it. Like I th- It's as simple as that. You want to know what to focus on? What will make you most proud, most you, not anybody else, you, most proud, most fulfilled to be done. And if you aren't working to finish it, go focus on that. So thank you so much, OJ. That was a great way for us to finish. But, you know, we got to get back in the car, but we got to make sure before we get to turn our ignition on, we need our keys to success, right? So can you tell our dream drivers three things that you think every dream driver needs in their toolkit before they hit the road? You need a plan, you need a purpose, and you need resilience. You probably need to do that in backwards. Purpose. So you need to know your why. Like, why are you even in the car? So, and always, you need a plan, a very specific one. Don't try to do it without the plan. If you didn't write it down, if you don't have it documented, if you haven't showed it to anyone else, don't take off. And then three, resilience, the willingness, the power, the skill to know that that purpose is going to be tested and that plan is going to be changed. And what are you going to do about it? So those are three things I would say. Your purpose, your plan, and resilience. Thank you so much, OJ. Can you tell our dream drivers where they can learn more about you online or connect with you if they want to. Yes, you can get at me at bonfirewomen.com, bonfirewomen on all platforms. 
um, or WNFC at WNFC football on all platforms. And if you want to hook up with me directly, LinkedIn is the best way. LinkedIn back uh, forward slash Odessa Jenkins. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And I just want to say, I'm just so inspired by your, your story. Uh, fun fact. When I was in seventh grade, I joined the uh, flag football team at my uh, yes. school. And I only lasted one day because number I was on the 49ers team, right? We had like, we were all like fake football teams. Um, they they were so mean to me. They were like, girls don't play tackle, uh, tag football. You need to stop. And it's just funny how it's like, wait, but look where I am now. Look where y'all at, right? So Yeah, right. Uh, and, look, and look at where the game is, right? Like the yeah. idea that that is no longer happening to girls and girls are going to be playing football in the 2028 Olympics. Flag football is now an Olympic sport. The girls are going to are now playing tackle football, you know, at the highest level in NFL stadiums. And soon we're going to have stadiums of our own. So it's like, I hotter them. You showed them. Right. Right. It, it's just, it's, it's so funny. Every guest that I have on the show, there's just like, there's this connection that I have. And I think that's probably why I, I get so invested in the stories. I was like, wait, I used to want to play tag football and they would not let me. Like I was ridiculed off the team. I felt like like officially I was never kicked off, but I just stopped going because I didn't feel like I had a place. So knowing that you are giving a place to women who, you know, love being athletes, love the game of football. It's just so inspiring. And it's also just full circle with along my own dream driving journey too. So thank awesome. you once again. Thank you. Take care. All right, so that's the wrap for this episode of Dreams and Drive. I hope you enjoyed our guest dream driving journey as well as listening to their keys to success. If you love this episode, you know what to do. Please make sure that you are following us. We are at Dreams and Drive across social media on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So make sure you're sharing this episode, posting it to your Instagram stories, texting it to a friend, sharing on LinkedIn, wherever you are or online. Just pay this forward and share this with somebody. We really appreciate it. And all the sharing that you do helps us grow our community. If you want to join our email newsletter, The Keys, and get weekly updates delivered to your inbox, just go to dreamsanddrive.com slash join. That's dreamsanddrive.com slash join. And lastly, if you know somebody who would be great for this show, or if you are someone who would be great for this show, please go to dreamsanddrive.com slash pitch. I'm always accepting new guests. I'm always accepting new pitches. So I love to see those pitch requests coming in. Keep dreaming, keep driving, and we'll chat again in the next episode. Bye, guys.